0: Good vibrations.
1: My guest today is one who's been on the show before, but it was quite a number of years ago. I just checked the archives, actually, and it was February 2017. So, seven years, damn. It's the return of U.S. attorney, author, investigative journalist, and researcher William Ramsey. Welcome back, brother.
0: Mark, thanks for the invite. Glad to talk with you again. It's been too long.
1: I can't believe it's been so long. And I had it in mind that you'd been on a couple of times, but uh, according to my archives, it was just the once. And you were on to talk about the influence of Alistair Crowley on popular culture.
0: Yeah, it sounds right. That was probably after Children of the Beast was published, oh, right.
1: yeah. Yeah, right around the time you dropped that book, I think. It sounds right. So how many years have you been at all this now?
0: Yeah, my first book was published 2010, so... It's been 13 years. It's hard to believe that much time has passed, but I've put out five books, five documentaries, and uh, you can find them all my documentaries on on Patreon right now. But yeah, so I've done two on the Smiley Face Killers, one Children of the Beast, one Prophet of Evil documentary, and then in a Cold Hollywood. And then my other books are Prophet of Evil, Abomination. That's about the West Memphis Three Murders, Children of the Beast. Global Death Cold is my most recent. And then actually that was my recent before the one that I just published. Which is the smiley face killers investigating suspicious water deaths, college-aged men in the US and the world. And that was just published last year. Sure. So
1: you're an OG in this game. I've become
0: like a you know old veteran, it feels like that sometimes. A weary old veteran. Yeah, I know the way.
1: So yeah, I wanted to talk to you about your latest book. You mentioned it there on the Smiley Face Killers, but that's the second book you've done on this
0: subject, right? It's the first book, but I've done two documentaries. So I had a first one was done in 2017. It's really long. It's two, three and a half hours. And then the second one I did was right at the start of the pandemic in 2020 called Smiley Face Killers, The Global Slaughter Continues. And then I tried, I was always trying to put it into book form, like all my research. And so that led up to this most recent book which is just investigating suspicious water deaths. It's the smiling Face Killers theme, but it's 400 pages and a lot of new information because a lot of new cases have happened in the U.S. within the last year or two.
1: Hmm. And it's crazy that we're still talking about this because I think the last time we had our conversation seven years ago, I would have been asking you about this and not much seems to have changed other than the body count you know we're still talking about the same modus operandi it just continues the agenda rolls on uh and it's just crazy there's never any resolution to it and uh you know nothing ever really changes
0: nobody gets caught yeah it really is incredible so it has like even in the time that i've been following this and trying to keep up with cases it's like another 100 200 cases since 2017 so it's really it is incredible and they've just had like 10 cases in Chicago in the last year and a half. And then they just found another body in Austin, Texas uh, yesterday. So we're trying to get more information on that right now, but that would be probably five or six in the last two years in Austin. So
1: Sure. And I'm pretty sure you're going to be sick of recapping on this subject by now, but if you can stand to go over it all one more time, just please bring the listeners up to speed on what the smiley face killings are.
0: Well, it got its name because the two original investigators from different parts of the U.S., it was Gannon in New York City, Manhattan, he was a cop, and then Gilbertson, who is a criminal uh, procedure professor in, I think, Wisconsin, both noticed this trend or this phenomenon of young men disappearing at night later to be found in water. And when these bodies were found, there was a correlation between finding those bodies and this smiley face. So that's how this name kind of stuck. And it has stuck to this phenomenon for either better or worse, but it really is the phenomenon of younger men out at a bar, maybe acting strangely disappearing later to be found sometimes very like, uh, 40 days later, three to three weeks later, later in water. And, uh, it's got its name and it's just kind of, uh, it was people thought it was regional at the time in major cities manchester bristol uh in the north kind of east of the united states but that's not the case it's really spread out there's been recent cases in vancouver like i said austin texas which people know, texas was not kind of a spot there's uh, cases out of houston as well and chicago is really i called it like uh like an inferno of cases in Chicago over and over again. And they've, they've actually expanded from originally people thought it was just a younger white guys, but it's become a phenomenon that includes a lot of African Americans here in the States and a lot of it, South Asian, Indian uh, ethnicities as well have, have been turning up dead. So it's really morphed into a more broad event. And also other cases in the mainland in France and Amps- Amsterdam, Germany and quite a few in um, the UK as well. Hmm.
1: So the first one was 98, was it?
0: Correct. And his name is Patrick McNeil. I call him victim zero, but it really that's the, the odd time of when this kind of phenomenon got started was the late 90s. And he was a student at Fordham University. That's kind of in the north part of New York City. He was at a bar in Manhattan, started acting strange, got sick, People said there was a car following him. He disappeared, but was found down river in Hudson in a water treatment facility. And uh, it's really kind of one of the first cases. That's kind of what Gannon saw was this this Patrick McNeil. And then kind of took off from there. There were actually other cases um, after McNeil. There was another guy that was found um, in that same water treatment plant, plant, which was really incredible. His name was Andrews, I believe. So. Hmm.
1: So 2023 was the 25th anniversary. And was there a step up in the numbers then to kind of mark that occasion? I don't know if it's
0: intentional, but there's clearly been an incredible rise in cases um, in the last two years. Like I mentioned, Austin, Vancouver, Chicago, Houston. So um, there were uh, two in New York city. So outside of New York city in the boroughs, uh, Brooklyn. So, and there's actually a, a suspicious kind of SFK death of Obama's personal chef. His name was, uh, Tafari Campbell who was out kayaking supposedly and drowned. Um, but so there's definitely been kind of an upsurge after COVID. No doubt about it. Yeah. Hmm.
1: When did the British counterpart aspect first become apparent?
0: Well, I think that people were noticing it and then this phenomenon gets different names in different parts of the, of the world. So in, for example, the Austin water deaths, they're called the rainy street ripper. That's kind of like the main party street in Austin or the lady bird killer. That's the lake. These bodies were found in. Same thing happened in Manchester. They call in Manchester, the pusher. So, they started noticing cases right around the turn of the millennium, really. And there's been a number of cases. And I I go through all these in the book in Manchester. There's been about four or five, a lot in Bristol places with a lot of water, strangely, not too many in London. There's been a few uh, recent case of a young African-American man found in the Thames, but there's a lot in Scotland actually, believe it or not. There's been a couple cases in um, Glasgow, And so so they're spread throughout uh, spread throughout the UK. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of cases taking place there still to this day.
1: Hmm. And the fact that these murders have taken place across such a wide geographical spread in the US and seem to have been copycatted here in the UK proves that this cannot be the work of a lone nutter or even a localized gang. Uh, unless they go on tour to do this stuff, it has to be a coordinated group that's uh, doing these things, right? Uh, or in conjunction yeah. with each other.
0: And I think that that's why these cases kind of came to the forefront of people's minds around the time of the internet, right? So the internet's taking off in the 90s, in the 90s. And I think that the, somebody in the dark web or on some message board who are interested in this type of victim. Must have been communicating and and this m o got spread throughout the world and so some of these gangs may be you know i people have surmised that there's parties of two or three, and even Gilbert and Gannon have said Gilbertson and Gannon have said that they think that there are independent groups that do this stuff, and uh so yeah, so it's definitely not a lone serial killer there's there's teams and groups who for some reason are committing this type of crime. There's no doubt about it. All over the world. Right.
1: So is it elsewhere besides America and Britain as well?
0: Yeah, I have cases in France. There's been cases in Paris um, on the eastern, I mean, on the western coast of France. There's been, like I said earlier, there's been a couple cases in the Netherlands uh, on the border between Germany and France, like on the, the Rhine. So there's been a couple cases that I've found um, definitely Spain and maybe even in other parts of the world. I'm just not aware of because of language, but Mm. people have sent me some stuff. So it's clearly happening even outside of kind of the English. And a lot in Australia, actually, I've covered a couple similar kind of cases in my offender typology section where I go through people who might be kind of committing these crimes. And there were a couple cases in Perth where a guy was stalking young men at night drugging them and raping them. There's a correlation between drugging and these kind of deaths, I think. Because sometimes the victims or people start acting strange or out of <clears throat> out of character. And often some of these guys are not big drinkers and they start acting very drunk after one or two beers. So it seems like they've been drugged or roofied or something like that. But there, were also, there was also this case in Adelaide in Australia that fits kind of the profile of these disappearances. It was called the family murders in Adelaide hmm
1: so it seems like there's some sort of secret society network that's carrying these things out across these different nations uh you know and they operate in the same way as some of these occult mystery schools operate uh so there's a shared ritualistic aspect to it that's just being carried out in all these localized versions of this group
0: it seems like it it seems like that there's some darker purpose in some kind of secret society that holds these people together. The really interesting case that came to my attention was this death of a very famous kind of B-level football player here in the United States. His name was Colin Finnerty, and he disappeared in Michigan and was found face down in kind of a forested area. But a friend of mine uh, reached out to me, and he did some remote viewing, right? So the remote viewing is kind of something that was developed by the CIA, during the um cold war for espionage purposes very specific like you're basically kind of like a channel well he this guy paid these remote viewers in europe to look into the infinity case they knew nothing about him right they knew zero about him his name was frank but these remote viewers not frank looked into this case and said that he was abducted and brought around and taken to some kind of remote area and water tortured or something going on, like some form of torture, then driven around again and then dumped in a place that had already previously been searched. And it fits the MO, the, the presumed MO that people have deduced is what's going on is that somebody's taken somewhere else and drowned or tortured to death. And so the Finerty case is really interesting on a lot of levels, just the fact that it was kind of like this remote viewing, but also that, it was the same thing that people surmised. his phone pinged at different uh, cell phone towers after he disappeared. So very strangely, but the the remote viewing that was done in Europe about Finnerty uh, was right on point with that fact that he was taken to three different locations before he was returned dead in Michigan in a kind of a rural part of central Michigan where there have been other cases actually.
1: Hmm. What about these two cops that were, Part of the initial investigation, Gilbertson and Gannon. Would you say that they're two guys that are trying to see justice here and they want to get to the bottom of this, or are they involved in the cover up, would you say, in any way?
0: Uh, I don't feel like they're on. in the cover up. Gilbertson is, uh, I think, a professor emeritus, but Gannon worked with this guy, Duarte, and they were recently on a show um, on Oxygen Channel here in the States. They did a six part series and covered some of the cases that I've covered. And so I think that they are kind of working to expose kind of what's going on. Uh, My critique of them is they they did write a really good book called Case Studies and Forensic Drownings came out a while back, but uh, they haven't really been shown all of their research to the public. And they've been on a couple of shows here in the States that people know, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. So they're still around. I didn't know that they were still kind of doing the research when I first started kind of doing my research in 2017, but uh, I don't think, I think that they're retirees who are still kind of working and they're working with some of the families. There's no question about it, but uh, yeah, like my critique of them is that it's, you know, I think people should put out all their research just so the public can have it or, you know, people can build off it. Like, people can build off my research as well. Like I try to just drop as much information as I've I've compiled as possible. So I think that they're not uh, doing that. And so that's kind of my opinion.
1: Right. So so so-called law enforcement have been trying to imply that these are random killings Uh, just done by who knows who in all these different areas. Maybe they're sort of copycatting each other, but they just don't seem to be able to catch anyone. You know, there's no clues to follow up. The the forensics don't lead anywhere, and they just can't solve these cases. That seems to be what the public's being asked to believe.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. And there have been a couple, uh, like the police chief of Boston came out and says there's no connection there. I don't think that in Chicago they've actually tried to deny that these types of killings are taking place. But in Boston, once they had a couple of cases, uh, the police chief got involved. In other cases, they've changed their mind. There was a case called Chris Jenkins out of Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota, who initially the police said this was an accidental drowning. And then after getting more information, uh, the actual police chief changed the determination of the case from accidental to intentional. So... It does kind of come around and some of the information doesn't come out like the police don't provide or don't help the public with information. Sometimes the autopsies are not made public. um, So the public doesn't know about really what happened. They just assume that it was a drowning. And in the case of McNeil, for example, or Dakota James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, once people got the autopsy or got independent autopsies, uh, they show these bodies have been tortured. McNeil was tortured. According to uh, really well-known, really well-known forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht, McNeil was tortured above the waist, so he was burned with a blowtorch and hit in the head with a hammer. And then, in the case of Dakota James, which I think was twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, uh, they was it wasn't reported in the public, but after Cyril Wecht saw the pictures the guy had a rope around his neck he had rope burns you know from being something being around his neck that was never disclosed to the public so i think in a lot of these other cases a lot of this torture evidence is not uh disclosed to the public whether and so it's either police complacency and um lack of involvement but yeah and i've i've talked to other other researchers and other people and i think there's really an interest of not panicking the public. And so a lot of these these crimes take place in college towns. So there may be a financial incentive for, for covering these up. Like, no, there's really not a serial killer, so that people still send their children to these schools or uh, to these colleges.
1: Right. Yeah. So the police claiming that there's no connection is consistent with the idea of this being a secret society agenda, because maybe the police are controlled by the same kind of groups that might be carrying these things out
0: no doubt there could be a could be police or, or law enforcement involvement i don't know i don't have proof of that but there's been like some very questionable decisions and questionable prosecutors are put in these here all of the prosecutors in the major cities in the united states are political figures who are undermining the rule of law which is very strange because you're supposed to enforce the law but maybe there's some darker issues here like uh they had a guy here in i forgot his name in la but he had like a couple young black men murdered or dead in his apartment and they wouldn't prosecute him it was very strange and so maybe something like this is going on like they just are not willing to really look into what's go- what's happening and that there is this seems to be a selection process in some of these deaths so one of the early ones i studied was a guy by, by the name of joey labute who was on a men men's dating app i think it was grinder and that may have been how he was pre-selected he was disappeared and was found in the seattle river 19 days after he disappeared but he disappeared during the time of the arnold schwarzenegger bodybuilding classic which i think is the biggest bodybuilding convention in the world that took place columbus ohio at the time of his murder so maybe somebody came into town and did something bad and left town which would be very clever but also the case of dakota james who i mentioned earlier who had the rope around his neck uh there was he was drugged three weeks before he disappeared so he had been in some kind of situation where he had to call a friend and said i don't know where i am i think i've been drugged you know please come get me and um so, I mean, I think maybe he was targeted, and much like maybe some of these other victims, is that they're pre selected. And one of the interesting things out of the whole death pool of all these people is they're almost all middle class or middle to lower class. Like they never get somebody who's very wealthy or politically or culturally connected, which is really strange. So, you, if one, there's something I noticed about amongst all of the, families of these dead i mean i've seen so much wreckage it's just a disaster like i'm over 300 cases at this point right but the families all are middle class it's like they don't have the same resources as somebody who's rich who has an attorney at their call beck and call or something like that so it's it's a very it's one aspect of the phenomenon that's very eerie is like it's almost like the opposite if you remember the movie Silence of the Lambs, like the abduction of the senator's daughter, is kind of what set things off, right? So you have this famous person and they go and ask Hannibal Lecter or whatever. But nothing like that has happened in these types of cases.
1: Mm. So the aspect of this whole thing that interests me the most, and the reason why I feel this is so topical right now, comes down to the naming of the whole phenomenon, the smiley faces and smiley yellow faces in most cases so i feel that the iconography of this is very relevant so what's been happening is where these bodies have shown up in water after some period of time there's been a smiley face daubed in graffiti onto rocks or tree trunks or whatever right? right but in terms of the smiley yellow faces they've sort of made an appearance in popular culture from time to time through the years. But I've noticed, and many friends I've spoken to have noticed, that this has really been stepped up in the last maybe six months or so. We're seeing smiley yellow faces everywhere. And I think this is relevant. I personally feel that it's connected. So an obvious one is the smiley emoji that people use on their mobile phones, uh, the smiley yellow face there. But I'm also seeing this motif crop up on bags, clothing, it's in music videos, it has been literally everywhere if you're paying attention over the past few months or so. So it's getting stepped up for a reason, I feel. It's ritualistic, it's symbolic, and it means something. I just don't know what. I wonder how you feel about that aspect of all of this, the smiley face itself, and what it
0: could mean. Right. Well, that's really how I got interested in this whole phenomenon. I did not come at it from kind of the true crime element. I was studying Crowley and Alan Moore and Fight Club and things like that for Colt Hollywood and the smiley faces all over these two films, right? So what is the comedian? What why does he have this smiley face? Why is it used by Alan Moore? Right. And like you probably know, like it's used in acid house music, goes all Absolutely, the way back yeah. to the seventies or eighties. Yeah. So that was kind of like oh, and that's what made me remember this phenomenon. Is that is there a cultural connection between the use of this smiley face symbol and these deaths? And I do think that there is. There's something there, and I think that that's kind of like a cultural like a connection like it's something that these people who are in kind of the uh, secret societies or something like that use and i've seen it used by the order of nine angles which i've done a book about so there's like a connection between that and other kind of very fringe pagan groups use the smiley face and they say that the symbol represents something like smiling through tragedy right so you still kind of even though there's tragedy you kind of keep going and even through the bloody tragedy right so the blood on the smiley faces there and that kind of actually is written in alan moore's the watchman this character the comedian he goes to vietnam because he likes to kill that's what his whole thing is is like he loves the violence and stuff like that so not everybody thinks like that but maybe some people do and the same people who do think like that are committing these types of crimes and it is everywhere that yellow smiley face one of the more shocking places that I found it, or well, somebody informed me about it, but is in uh, the music video "Bad Habits" by Ed Sheeran, who also has a smiley face tattoo on his body and uses it in other songs. But it's really incredible because that music video and the music song itself, is, the song itself, has been listened to billions of times all over the world. The music video on YouTube alone is over half a million views, but there's a very predominant smiley face, and it also symbol he, I don't know if he knows or whoever did that video knows exactly what the ideas of the order of nine angles are, and they're symbolized from the beginning to the end of the video, which begins at sundown and ends at sunrise, right? So it's almost night, and at night he's kind of Ed Sharon plays kind of a night raiding vampire um who he and his crew seem to feed on the kind of mu- mundanes or muggles of the world uh, in their own little kind of cult or group, which could symbolize something similar to what's happening with the smiley face killings was that these guys are out at night. They presence dark energy, just like the order of nine angles does they become a kind of a different character, a vampire or vampirism and maybe commit crimes. And then they're the normal self in the morning. So it really is something else. And his connections Ed Sheeran's connections are really fascinating too because he also does work with another group, a cult influence group called Bring Me the Horizon and uh, they have all kinds of like stories about drowning and things like that and they've also done a song with this girl Grimes who is one of uh, Elon Musk's paramours. I mean, I think they've had three killed children at this point. So Mm -hmm. she's totally a cult uh, influence. So people who think like maybe these overlaps of these kind of underground occult ideas uh, are not permeating the modern culture are wrong. And you can just see the most recent Grammys here in the States, you with know, all kinds of like rituals and Abraxas was symbolized and it's just totally occult influence. So I think mm-hmm. that the occultism of the modern culture and this phenomenon of the smiley face killers overlaps. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Keeps vigilant citizen in full-time business.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. There's hundreds of young men who've died. Like, why are they being taken out of the culture? Is there a targeting thing? Is there a reason? Are these people going to contribute to the world? Um, these are kind of like the youngest college shiny people, the athletes, the higher intelligence. Um, Is there a, is there a deeper kind of cultural meaning for this? Like is this why and a lot of them are Christians too. Some are really striding Christians. Is there something about that that uh is that why they're being targeted?
1: Right. Because many of these young men are of very high IQ or they've got special intellectual gifts. So it appears to be like reverse eugenics, because normally yeah. eugenics is uh ridding society of what the eugenicists consider to be poor genes, poor aspects of the gene pool. Whereas this is, you know, getting rid of those with what you might consider to be positive traits, desirable traits. So it's like a complete flipping on its head of what eugenics normally stands for.
0: Right. And if you look at the order of nine angles philosophy, and this kind of goes through kind of satanic philosophy in general, is like they're all special. And then there's the mundanes out there. And there's also these arrogant people who are part of the Nazarene worldview. And they're supposed to be subverted so that they can bring in their kind of new man and new regime, almost like a Reich. Like that's that's a really a common theme in the Order of Nine Angles. So maybe this is something where they, they couldn't find like, you know, a national front where they couldn't get public uh, backing. So this is something they're doing as an end around of their whole societal change as societal change agents. So imagine them like okay, we're going to get rid of these people because they're the ones holding us back. And that's actually a theme of like Barbara Marks Hubbard and a lot of these people is like, these people have to go so we can bring in our paradise, our utopia. And so maybe something like that's happening. Maybe that's part of this is part of that agenda.
1: Yeah, well, it could be because it's definitely a cult in nature. And um, I don't know if you saw, but in the recent passing of Matthew Perry, the actor from Friends, he put a post on his social media just a short while before he showed up dead in a jacuzzi, death by jacuzzi. It's a dangerous business, it yeah. seems. And um, it was a picture of himself lying on a sofa with a cushion fashioned in the form of one of these smiley yellow faces. Did you see that?
0: I did. I did. I noticed it very closely. Yeah. So you got a water death of a famous guy in Hollywood with a smiley face. I, you know, it's so strange. Something's going on. These people know it's some kind of connection. It's some kind of inside symbol. And I think that's why it's all over the place. And you'll see weird celebrities wearing it too. Like, uh, oh, who was the guy who, oh, let me see if I can remember his name. But some of these other famous guys, like you said, the smiley faces in the clothes all over the place. But yeah, so so the the one guy who was in Fight Club, he was in a kind of a minor role. It wasn't Brad Pitt, but... He has like he wears this smiley face all the time and he kind of runs a cult. Like you st- talked about uh in the pre-show, this uh Laurel Canyon. Like this guy has like a he I think he bought the Outlook at the top of Laurel Canyon or something.
1: Oh, uh, was that uh uh Jared
0: Leto? Jared Leto, thank you. Yeah, so Jared mm. Leto.
1: Yeah, he bought Lookout Mountain, the the uh, military yeah. base up there.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so like the, the, this guy. I'm wondering if I can show this to you. Probably your audience audience won't see it, but this is really something incredible. Okay, maybe you can, I'll show it to you. If you can enable the screen share, I'll show you this picture of Leto because he's making the two-fingered hand sign of Typhon at the same time wearing the smiley face hat. And it looks like it's morning. You know, it's really something else.
1: Mm. Did you see the dance music record that I sent you, Acid Tracks by Paul Van Dyke and DJ Pierre, where they're really taking this smiley yellow face thing to the next level. So it's a remake of an original Acid House record from 1987 by this US DJ called DJ Pierre. So 87 was the dawn of the so-called second summer of love. That's when the Acid House scene really got going here in the UK. And right at the end of that year, the smiley yellow face first started to make an appearance at Acid House club nights, notably Shum, run by danny rampling uh, and then it really took off and just became the sort of emblem for the whole acid house rave scene through 88 and beyond so paul van dyke is this german dj and producer and he's just remade acid tracks and the sleeve of it has this smiley yellow face but it's an even darker more twisted version of it so instead of the regular Dots for eyes. It's got two slits, which are very reminiscent of the logo of the Schutzstaffel, the SS from Nazi Germany. Right, right. It's crazy. And there's a video to accompany the song, and it involves this girl on a skateboard going around a city, pasting up posters of this dark, smiley face uh, all over the place. And it's got paint dripping off it, and it just looks very dark. And also, there was the logo to Nirvana, the group which right. was, was another sort of dark twisted version of the smiley where you've got slits for eyes and there's a dent in the side of the head and the tongue's out. And basically it just looks like the thing's been shot rather like Kurt Cobain was. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple of very dark takes on the smiley there.
0: No doubt. And I think there was a connection between Cobain and Burroughs. Right. So I think something goes back to Burroughs. And a lot of these guys who use the Smiley Face were friends of Burroughs. So Genesis P. Orridge. Um, mm. <clears throat> somebody who I also studied in detail was a guy by the name, <clears throat> name of Peter Christofferson. Christopherson, Christopherson yeah. Who was a member of Coil and also Hypnosis. If you remember this kind of famous mm. art house that did a lot of band album covers for Pink right. Floyd and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, he yeah. was part of that, mm-hmm. but also very dark character. And, uh, I had him as like somebody who might have been into this type of stuff. He was, he was a member of the Illuminates of Banateros and things like that. So
1: I had some stuff on him in musical truth too. So his nickname was sleazy and he directed videos for artists, including rage against the machine, uh, soft cell, uh, whose frontman Mark almond was a member of Anton LaVey's church of Satan. And Christopherson was part of the group's throbbing gristle and psychic TV alongside Genesis P. Orridge very dark and strange character Uh, alongside a guy named Jeff Rushton also known as John Balance and the crazy thing about John Balance is that uh, he is said to have accidentally fallen to his death from the balcony of the home that he shared with Christofferson in 2004 I think it was so a guy named Balance loses his balance and falls to his death you couldn't make it up right
0: you couldn't make it up. And one of the things, though, I keyed into of Peter Christofferson was his work on Broken for Nine Inch Nails, which this broken video has the kind of replaying of the whole smiley face killing M.O., where they're driving around in a the car. They find a young man. They bring him down into some torture chamber and torture him to death and then ritually drowned him. And that's why that's the cover from Christofferson's broken video of this guy being ritually drowned is the picture I used for my 2017 documentary.
1: And he's affiliated with that Genesis P. Orige, as we said, real name, Neil Andrew Megson, Uh, real piece of work as well. He was accused of sexually abusing children in a 1992 British TV documentary, but cleared by the subsequent police investigation, at which point he relocated to New York and began espousing transgender teachings. So yeah, not your average guy.
0: I think he fled the UK and he came to the United States and stayed with Either Timothy Leary or um I think Timothy Leary's archive is Horowitz, who is the father of um uh, this actress. Her name is not Dakota, it's uh she dated you too, she dated Bono. I forgot her name. Anyway, there there's very strange connections between him and Leary, and slash orange Yeah.
1: And isn't there also a music industry connection involving Bruce
0: Springsteen somehow? Well, there was one case in Boston. His name was uh, Garcia and it came to the attention of Bruce Springsteen so he tweeted about his disappearance. I think it's a very important case and I set it aside in my book. And <clears throat> the reason is is that he was missing and there was there was a search in a reservoir kind of on the west side of Boston that turned up nothing and then Somebody was walking like eight days later and then found a body in there. So in a previously searched area, the body of uh, Garcia was found. And yeah, uh, Springsteen did retweet that. So very strange. And one of the other aspects of that is there's a video of his mother who says she's talking to and they're immigrants, I think, from Chile. And the mother's telling the TV reporter, I believe my son is alive. God is telling me my son is alive. He's being kept somewhere. I feel it. So she might as a mother's sixth sense or something, she she might've been right that he was being kept somewhere Hmm. and they hadn't done him in yet. Much like the family in Adelaide too, because the evidence showed that the abducted people were kept alive for a certain amount of time.
1: It is just like a movie. And it's reminiscent of silence of the lambs that you mentioned earlier, where the victims are kept for a time, you know, uh, yeah. it's just like the plot line to a movie gone live. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, no, it's really it's really eerie and scary, and yeah, you don't want to be a victim. And all these things happen at night too. So, like a lot of people say, Oh, these are just normal drownings, or they try, you know, I do a whole thing on debunking the debunkers, people who've tried to discount the phenomenon. But all of these cases that I've done all happen at night. So, like it's somebody gets this, supposedly, according to people who say that this is a normal phenomenon, all these people get this strange desire to move to a body of water and then drown without being able to get out of it i mean it's just unbelievable so they're they're being found in water for a purpose whether it's typhonian magic or something it's it's Mm -hmm. the purpose is very strange and i think that the police have probably come across possible perpetrators but they don't ask them enough questions to find out uh more about them or anything like um You know, they they may have just gotten caught for just one crime or one different crime, but maybe not attached to these types of murders. Yeah, Hmm.
1: I only know about the SMKs from your work. Are there many other researchers
0: on this? Well, there's the original ones. Gannon and Gilbertson are still out there. But, yeah, there are other researchers. No question. Jim Smith, who I feature in my book, has really compiled probably the most cases. Uh, There's another guy, Igor Sarsky, who kind of looks into it from kind of like the far right view and and has looked into the order of nine angles as potential perpetrators. And there's other Facebook groups like when I was still on Facebook, there was a Smiley Face Killers Facebook page with tens of thousands of people involved or tens of thousands. And now like uh, there is a new Rainy Street Ripper. Like so because of this string of deaths in Austin, it's it's created even more kind of uh, public interest. And I think the the page on Facebook that covers these deaths has over a hundred thousand subscribers right now. Hmm.
1: I did a series of shows last summer on the 35th anniversary of the so-called second summer of love marking 1988. And I did these with Matt Sergio of the occult Beatles uh, site, and also Dom and Chris, who do a great podcast called Sheep Farm Studios. Uh, very good friends of mine. We did four shows as part of this series, and we really went into this smiley yellow face iconography, and we mentioned the smiley face killings and such. and I've got a question here from Dom who knew that I was going to be talking to you today, and he says it seems that the smiley isn't as recent. 1963 as it seems so that's when it entered American popular culture and it was used by the advertising industry to try and create a sort of feel-good positivity among Americans we're told just to try and make people feel good about the economy being on the upturn and uh, you know society just looking brighter Uh, but Dom says it also seems to have been used by the ancients going back to ancient cultures and he wonders whether it could be a reverse death mask, which would fit in with satanic inversion. So yeah. going back to, you know, certain cultures, which may have used it for those purposes. Has that come across your record? I've heard of that.
0: Somebody sent me something. And also under the, some other drug, like if you take a poison, it'll inadvertently make you, give you a smiley face death mask. I've heard that, but it's also the motif ties into kind of like, the joker motif of the smiling killer the happy killer or whatever hmm. so i do think there's an esoteric and an exoteric understanding of the smiley face it's the esoteric that is harder to pin down and i've i've come across a couple of occultists who've defined you know the smiley face as laughing through tragedy so it's kind of almost like the two sides of the dramatic actors mask where there's a smiley and a and an unhappy one so i do think that um it's used by a cultist and i, th- I think it goes back to burroughs honestly i think it, and who's super influential is probably what they call like the transgressive literature type person um and so i think that's why nirvana used the smiley face and uh right. it goes through so many other actors you know, or you know bad actors or orage and christopherson etc Hmm.
1: Isn't that something that's supposed to happen during rigor mortis? Smiles can often appear on faces. Of I've course. heard of that
0: too. Yeah, hmm. yeah, no, I've heard of that.
1: Yeah. So, as well as the Bruce Springsteen interest, the actor Kevin Bacon got involved in this whole mess, right? Because wasn't one of the victims his namesake or something?
0: Correct. And there was a abduction of a young man, also, bat, you know, on. Uh, gay app grinder his name was kevin bacon just like the actor and he was in michigan outside of lansing michigan and uh they traced him uh, four days later to a house run by a guy by the name mark latunski l-a-t-u-n-s-k-i and he let the police in and the police said can we look around they look went downstairs and they found a fake wall with a dungeon and in that dungeon was this young man 25 years old I believe Kevin Bacon upside down and he was dead and he had had his testicles removed and they were eaten by Mark Launsky and uh, that was kind of a sad case and it was known like mark uh the actor Kevin Bacon wrote about it on his social media and also another guy by the name of Jeffrey Starr who's kind of like uh YouTube influencer followed the case but yeah Lutonsky just got sentenced in 2023. And he's going to jail for a long period of time. But I always thought of Latunsky as a possible perp who was involved in other crimes because at his house, there were other police calls of people trying to escape him. Um, there were people like running and calling the cops. So he might have been doing all kinds of uh, dark stuff. And uh, interesting kind of kind of element of the smiley face killers is Latunsky thought of himself as kind of a wolf, like a lycanthropy. Or, like, lycanthrope. Um, he, he had a fake name called Olykos. Like, so the root word of like lycanthropy was his fake name. He had a tattoo of it. And he hung out online with these weird, kind of strange subgroup of people who thought of themselves as kind of like a werewolf pack, like a homosexual male wolf pack and he said a lot of threatening things and he was very strange and i think he was he's been in and out of mental institutions or was um for some time but uh really strange guy very strange and and uh i have him. Impos- i in my opinion he's probably killed other people that's my thought and he had this kind of a strange connection to pittsburgh and stuff so he's traveling around at weird periods of time, and it was he was a chemist by trade. Mm. So yeah, Latonsky and Kevin Bacon, this poor guy, died. Wow. Well,
1: what about how these deaths have been reported by the mainstream media? Do they just get reported each time as these random standalone things? Uh, or are they just not reported at all? Are they covered up? Uh, have you found I mean, I, experience?
0: They are reporting in certain cases, so they'll report the disappearance, and then it'll go away. But a lot of these follow the same pattern, if, especially if it's a younger man, guy disappears. There's a lot of uh, media searching going on, media is talking about it. Then they find the body and then it goes away. But I think these, the really what's picked up the reporting on these cases or following the cases is social media. So Chicago, this kind of rampage in Chicago where 10 people found in water, um, including a couple, which is really strange. But I think that the social media really was sending things around it was all over social media so the public kind of seems to be more aware than what the national media or the corporate media here in the states is following which isn't surprising like the corporate media here in the united states is dying it's like on like death rattle like people are being fired and stuff like that because nobody trusts them anymore so kind of the citizen journalism independent journalism Mm -hmm. is uh yeah no it's very good it's actually a positive, but not positive. So people are having to go to the public to kind of get better assessments of the truth because it's all just kind of one big fascist you know, right, right. A, a group. Like they're S- the same people traffic. running the businesses have the, the corporate media, sorry.
1: Sending traffic the way of guys like us, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it's. I, I hope they don't fully die because, uh, I mean, yeah. No, I mean uh I was in the right place at the right time. It seems like because I like my podcast is now in the top 0.5 percent of the world. I, I'm hosted by Spotify, thank God. So I'm not even hosted in the U.S., so I can't be censored. Hmm. But yeah, people definitely are listening. At least for somebody trying to do their job, you know, I'm not a trained journalist, but I'm actually, you know, writing books and putting stuff out so people can at least assess it for themselves.
1: Yeah doing a great job so here we are 25 26 years into this this is a long-running agenda whatever it is whatever it means do you think we're ever going to discover the significance of the smiley face killings why the logo gets used uh what these are all about or are we just going to be kept guessing for the rest of our days
0: i think they'll figure it out i think eventually it it'll be exposed or there'll be somebody who wants to talk or somebody who would tell the whole story makes something clear I think but at least that's what I'm hoping but uh, it is some kind of new world order it's part of the new world order agenda it's something going on that's very sinister and is done by groups of people and maybe have women involved so people like that may be the biggest trick of all is that there's a you know female involved in stuff like this so the men let down their guard but yeah it's very eerie and strange and I hope I hope you know the police key in to some of these you know characters like the interesting thing about the latunsky case is the police i think did a very good job they actually went downstairs and checked out this guy's they found a dungeon and uh that goes all the way back to 2017 is like i was talking earlier about christopherson and abducting somebody and taking him to a dungeon or downstairs area and torturing him so mm-hmm. uh you know kudos to the police in uh, michigan for apprehending that guy before he caused more more sinister things and it's out there it's not a positive i mean what this whole culture the occult culture that's taking over the world and all that is it always ends up in ruin it's not it doesn't uh benefit people it's like uh it, the occultists themselves suffer and die you know die young or go through whatever so they really have to people have to really be careful and uh Hmm. Because the temptation, I mean, I think that we're kind of entering the kind of Luciferian phase of uh, world culture and people need to watch out. I really did.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned your podcast earlier and that's becoming really popular. Uh, Recent episodes have had titles like The Mind Controllers and Charles Manson. What is the truth about false memory syndrome foundation? Uh, The Battle for the Mind. And brainwashing in religion and politics, enemies of the state, the Rothschilds and their corrupt global empire, and hypnotism, Adolf Hitler and programming the masses. So, a lot of that is up my alley, and it will be for many listening to this show as well. We're covering similar ground here. So, where can people access that?
0: Yeah, any podcast thing, iTunes, you can go to Spotify. I'm hosted on Spotify, like I said. So, you can go through. I think I have a, over 1,100 episodes on a wide variety of different things. True crime, um, film analysis, cultural analysis. I've done a lot of film, like Eyes Wide Shut, Rosemary's Baby. And so they can check that out. They can. I think there's a hub on my website, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. They can check that out or buy books from me. Hmm. And my Patreon, I have all five of my documentaries there. So if people want to just pay five bucks a month, they can watch as many documentaries to their heart's content. I think. Yeah, so
1: sure. uh, you had Sean McCann on recently, he's a good friend of yes. mine he does great oh, cool. work, analysis of films.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Like love it. Wake the dead, Sean McCann, wake the dead. I think he and I have done 20 shows at this point wow. on a wide variety of different stuff. We just did uh, uh Leave the World Behind, I think that new kind of Obama movie. It's yeah. very strange. Hmm. But like did you talk about Sinister kind of predictive programming like everything in the world's going wrong boats are crashing airplanes crashing blackouts so i think they've got plans for us that aren't uh positive Mm -hmm. and also interesting interesting thing is uh for people who want to check something out is go look at the uh wristband that joe biden gave obama uh, as a sign of friendship back I think in 2012 or something like that because uh, yeah on that friendship guess what's on, split, guess what's on it yeah
1: exactly yeah there it is again Yep. so your books are on Amazon but I guess they're other places as well if people want to avoid Amazon
0: yeah you can buy it for me or I think I think that's really kind of your choices at this point. I should put them on Barnes and Noble or something like that. I haven't gotten around to it, but yeah, Amazon, you can buy copies. Uh, I do ship to the UK. Uh, Shipping a book is about an extra 25 bucks, but Mm -hmm. I can get signed copies out there or to Australia.
1: Sure. All right, then. Well, you're doing great work out there and uh, kudos for it. So hopefully we'll have another conversation at some point and hopefully we won't have to, wallow in uh stuff as dark as this but uh thanks for coming on today william really appreciate that and best Mark, of luck with your work ongoing
0: thank you very much great to be with you and thanks for the invite I'm